is music notes and more with your host, Jason Ginty. Paul McCartney bathes with prisoners. Led Zeppelin make a classic for just 2,000 bucks. Dave Grohl of the Foo Fighters celebrates a birthday. The Rolling Stones piss off Ed Sullivan. Jimmy Buffett gets shot down and Glenn Fry passes away. That and so much more. Looking back in music history for the week of January 12th. This week, back in 1969, Led Zeppelin's debut album was released in the United Kingdom. Now, it was recorded at Olympic Studios in London. Jimmy Page says that the album took only about 36 hours of studio time over the span of a few weeks to create, including the mixing. Adding that he knew this because of the amount charged on the studio bill, which was about $2,000. Yes, Led Zeppelin won was made for around $2,000. Now, one of the primary reasons for the short recording time was that the material selected for the album had been very well rehearsed and prearranged by the band. Now, the band had not yet signed a deal, and there was no record company money to waste on excessive studio time. Page and Led Zeppelin's manager, Peter Grant, they actually paid for the sessions themselves. Now, the self-funding was real important because it meant that they could record exactly what they wanted without record company interference, which happens all the time today. Now, according to Page, most of the album was recorded live with a few overdubs added later. The album's front cover, which was chosen by Page, features a black and white image of the burning Hindenburg airship. Now, the image refers to the origin of the band's name itself. You see, when uh, Jimmy Page, Jeff Beck, and The Who's Keith Moon and John Entwistle were discussing the idea of forming a group, Keith Moon joked it would probably go over like a lead balloon. And then John Entwistle chimed in saying, yeah, like a lead Zeppelin. Well, there you go. There's the band name. The album cover gained further widespread attention when, at a February 1970 show in Copenhagen, Led Zeppelin were actually not billed as Led Zeppelin. They were billed as the Knobs, as the result of a legal threat from the aristocrat Eva von Zeppelin, who was a relative of the creator of the Zeppelin aircraft. Von Zeppelin, upon seeing the logo of the Hindenburg crashing in flames, threatened legal action over the concert taking place, so the band just changed their name to The Knobs for that one gig only. This week, back in 1969, Dave Grohl was born. At the age of 17, Grohl joined Scream. Then, of course, you know him as the longest-serving drummer with the band Nirvana and the frontman and founder of the Foo Fighters, and he is also the drummer and co-founder of a band called Them Crooked Vultures, along with um, John Paul Jones of Led Zeppelin. Dave Grohl says Rush's classic album 2112 made him fall in love with Neil Peart's innovative drumming. He says, quote, it was really the first time I had ever heard a drummer in the forefront of the band, he recalled, speaking about the mixing and the way it was all up front in the mix. In 2013, Dave Grohl inducted uh, Rush into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and also performed a section of 2112 with the band. Grohl played his first gig with Nirvana on October 11, 1990. Later on that month, 
He moved into Kurt Cobain's one-bedroom apartment where he stayed for eight months, sleeping on Kurt Cobain's couch. He says it was absolute chaos. Dave Grohl also says he can't listen to Nirvana's music. Still, he says he's still saddened by Kurt Cobain's death. He says, quote, I immediately remember what it was like the day we recorded those songs, whether it's the food that was brought in or the snowstorm or whatever was happening that day when we recorded. He says it's like opening a box of old pictures, and I don't like to do that too often. The song This Is A Call, the opening track on the Foo Fighters' self-titled debut album and the album's first single, was written in a Dublin hotel room while he and his first wife were on a honeymoon in Ireland in 1994. He says he's still surprised by the success of the Foo Fighters. He says, quote, The Foo Fighters started with a demo tape that I did down the street from my house. I didn't even expect it to be a band at first. It was just a bit of fun. Not aiming for world domination has kept the focus on what's real. And the important thing is making the music. That's it. In 1967, the Rolling Stones were forced to change the lyrics of Let's Spend the Night Together to Let's Spend Some Time Together when they appeared on the Ed Sullivan Show after the producers objected to the content of the lyrics. Remember, it is 1967. So they agreed, but then Mick Jagger rolled his eyes at the TV camera while he was singing the changed lyrics, resulting in host Ed Sullivan announcing that the Rolling Stones would be banned from performing on his show ever again. Well, hard to keep a band like the Rolling Stones off your show. They eventually played a total of five more times on the Ed Sullivan Show. This week back in 1977, the Eagles were at number one on the album chart with Hotel California, the group's third U.S. number one album. It was their first album with guitarist Joe Walsh. Hotel California is one of the best-selling albums of all time. It's been certified 26 times platinum in the U.S. and has sold over 32 million copies worldwide. According to Don Henley, in a 1982 interview, the Eagles probably peaked at Hotel California. He says, look, after that, we started growing apart as collaborators and as friends. Of course, that is why they went on to break up in 1980. It was in 2018 that Irish musician and singer-songwriter Dolores O'Riordan from the Cranberries died unexpectedly while she was in London for a recording session. You see, the Cranberries, of course, had the 1994 hit singles Linger, Dreams, and Zombie, and the band's 1993 album Everybody Else Is Doing It, So Why Can't We spent a total of 86 weeks on the charts. Now, Dolores has been recognized as a style icon sporting uh, the, the pixie haircut, or she even had buzzed hair a few times in the 1990s. And a lot of times she would perform barefoot, saying it just feels comfortable and honest to pull your toes along the ground. The New York Times mentioned that O'Riordan was responsible for a large portion of Doc Martin's boot sales in the 1990s. She wore them when she was out on the streets. And of course, Doc Martens were a staple of uh, fashion in the 1990s. She had also long suffered from depression and was bipolar. In January 2018, she was found dead in her hotel in London. She died as a result of accidental drowning in a bathtub following sedation by alcohol intoxication. This week back in 1973, Bruce Springsteen appeared at Villanova University in Philadelphia 
and he performed to an audience of 25 people. The reason for only 25 people showing up was due to a strike at the time by Villanova's school newspaper. The concert pretty much went unadvertised, so this is probably the smallest crowd that Bruce and the E Street Band have ever played in front of back in 1973. This week back in 1980, Paul McCartney was jailed for nine days in Tokyo for marijuana possession after being found with 219 grams on his arrival at the airport in Japan. Now, Paul McCartney said in a 2004 interview, he said, quote, this stuff was too good to flush down the toilet, so I thought I'd take it with me. He says he was lucky to be a celebrity because the sentence for possession of weed was seven years hard labor. He says on his last day in the prison, all the prisoners had to share a communal bath. He says, quote, by the end, I was like, come on in uh, for a penny. Come on in. I'm going in with the boys, he said. So we all went in there and it was fun, you know, being in the tub with all these Japanese guys. I guess at the end of nine whole days, a bath with complete strangers in prison might be fun. In 1996, Jamaican authorities opened fire on Jimmy Buffett's seaplane mistaking it for a drug trafficker's plane. Now, what makes this even more interesting is that Jimmy Buffett's good friend Bono from U2 was also on the airplane. Now, neither singer was injured in the incident. Jimmy Buffett actually owns numerous planes and private jets, and he holds a commercial pilot license with ratings for multi-engine land and sea aircraft and is an aviation and antique aircraft, uh, aircraft buff. Now, the seaplane... <laughs> surviving this ordeal, is actually currently retired and parked on display at one of Buffett's Margaritaville restaurants in Orlando. Now, the incident inspired Buffett to write a song called Jamaica Mistaka. This week in 1967, a 40-year-old David Mason recorded the piccolo trumpet solo for the Beatles' song Penny Lane at Abbey Road Studios in London. Now, you remember the song, of course, Penny Lane, a major hit, and it does have that cool piccolo trumpet solo in the middle of the song. Well, you see, David Mason was paid $42 for his performance. McCartney was dissatisfied with the way the uh, song's inner instrumental fill was going as they were recording it. They couldn't get it right. Well, he was inspired to use a piccolo trumpet after seeing trumpeter Dave Mason play the instrument during a BBC television program. So he calls him up, says, hey, come on in, and we want you to play on this song. So he shows up and plays. He runs through a couple of takes, and there you go. Penny Lane went on to be a top five hit across Europe and topped the United States charts. Fast forward, August 1987. The trumpet used for the Penny Lane solo was sold at an auction for over $10,000. Remember, David Mason got paid 42 bucks. This week, back in 1981, the band Motley Crue were formed when bass guitarist Nicky Six left his band called London, and he began rehearsing with drummer Tommy Lee and vocalist Greg Leon. Now, Greg Leon later left the band. Six and Lee then added guitarist Mick Mars. Then, a few months later, Vince Neil accepted an offer to join the band. Now, he had turned him down a couple of times, but finally he said, you know what, let's give it a try. Motley Crue was one of the biggest bands on the planet in the late 80s and early 90s with a string of hit records that put them at the top of the glam metal scene for decades. 
Their first two albums, 1981's Too Fast for Love and 1983's Shout at the Devil, are excellent albums. But it was their third album, 1985's Theater of Pain, that put them over the top. Their version of Smoking in the Boys' Room and the hit Home Sweet Home, which was written by Tommy Lee, were massive hits that led to a huge tour and Motley Crue were everywhere. They've sold over 100 million albums worldwide throughout their career. Now that success brought on extreme excess. When bassist Nicky Six was a kid, he bought his first bass. Where did he get the money for the first bass? Well, he sold a guitar that he had stolen to get the money. When drummer Tommy Lee's sex tape with Pamela Anderson leaked in 1995, yeah, remember that? It was all that people could talk about. It was one of the first examples of a leaked celebrity sex tape. Now, in case you haven't seen it, it is pretty wild. Actually, Tommy Lee drives a boat with his dick. In 2007, Tommy Lee went on the uh, MTV VMAs. He was in the audience, and while attending the ceremony, he got into a fight with Kid Rock. Now, the two ended up throwing fists at each other in the middle of the show, and they were eventually kicked out of the program. Now, apparently, the whole thing was caused by Kid Rock, who eventually pled guilty to assault on Tommy Lee. The song Kickstart My Heart, well, that was inspired by Nikki Six's near-death experience from a drug overdose. But that doesn't mean that near-death experience gave Six a reason to stop partying. The very first thing he did with friends when he recovered from his overdose was to fire up another batch of drugs. Now, thankfully, Nikki Six has been able to clean up in more recent years. Now, if you really want to see what Motley Crue is all about, there's an incredible biopic called The Dirt on Netflix. It is literally 80s rock and roll excess to the max. In 2016, the Eagles guitarist Glenn Fry died at age 67 from complications arising from rheumatoid arthritis, colitis, and pneumonia. In 1968, Glenn Fry played guitar and sang backing vocals on Bob Seger's single, Ramblin' Gamblin' Man. He would also go on to sing backup on Seeger's later singles called Fire Lake and Against the Wind. Didn't know that. It's pretty cool. Glenn Fry and Don Henley began their career together in 1971. They were the backing band and vocals for Linda Ronstadt. Now, the two had been having conversations about wanting to create their own band and eventually gave notice to Linda and started a new band called The Eagles. Glenn Fry was, of course, a tremendous part of the Eagles' success. He wrote one of the band's anthems called Take It Easy, and he had success in his own right with solo hits, Smuggler's Blues, The Heat Is On, and others. He was also one of the most prolific songwriters of the 70s and 80s, so much so that he received his own statue called Standing on the Corner in Winslow, Arizona, after the lyrics of Take It Easy. Now, after the breakup of the Eagles in 1980, he did embark on a successful solo career. He was also in a TV show. Yeah, he was an actor. He was in a show called South of Sunset. Now, you probably didn't see it because the show was eventually canceled pretty quickly. However, he also starred as a guest in Miami Vice. He was, played the role of a pilot and was also uh, singing Smuggler's Blues and You Belong to the City in one of the episodes. Now, his most famous acting role was that of general manager of the Arizona Cardinals in the movie Jerry Maguire. Remember that? Anyway, Glenn Fry and the Eagles, they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1998. 
Music Notes and More is written, produced, and hacked together by me, Jason Genty, and is brought to you by Pirates of the Quarter Tours. It's the most unique walking tour of the French Quarter in New Orleans. Get the details at piratesofthequarter.com. Make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, and follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and check out my YouTube channel.